Our sermon text is Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16. Just a few words of introduction about this passage first. This is another parable of Jesus. Sometimes it's known as the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Sometimes it's known as the parable of the compassionate landowner. Sometimes the parable of the crazy landowner. Not, that, not too often, but you might get the sense of that after hearing it read to you. I want to give a few words of introduction before I start reading, just to talk a little bit about agriculture at the time of Jesus and the time when this parable was, was spoken out loud for the first time. You could probably divide the three people involved in agriculture into three separate classes of people. The, the lowest class would be the workers. These are people who don't own the land. In fact, they don't own any land. They're just workers. And they would gather at the beginning of the day. They, they probably didn't have regular employment. Jesus was probably one of these people growing up. It's quite possible that he and his father, Joseph, walked an hour to um, a Greek colony not too far from Nazareth and waited in the marketplace to get work. Jesus was what was known as a technon. You, it's a, the Greek word for worker it could be translated as carpenter, and we often think of Jesus as a carpenter, but it could be stonemason or ditch digger or any other kind of manual labor that you can imagine back then. And so Jesus and his father may have been sitting in the marketplace day after day waiting for somebody to come, waiting for somebody with money to come and hire him. This is, you can see this today. If you drive by Home Depot, right, you will see a lot of people waiting around a truck will pull up, uh, the, the right gift set or the right skill set will get into the truck and drive away and they'll work for a day. And their hope is that if they work hard and they do well, that they'll get called back the next day. Same thing. So the lowest class of, of people involved in agriculture were, were these workers. And they would wait. If they didn't have steady employment, they would wait in the marketplace for somebody to come and hire them. Usually they'd get there pretty early in the morning because a full day of work then was 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., daylight hours, 12-hour workday. The other class of person was somebody who was more like a manager or a foreman. This was the person who would go and hire these people. This is the person who would oversee their work, tell them where to work, when to work, on what things, give them pointers on how they were doing their work. He would manage it, and at the end of the day, he would pay them, and that was an Old Testament law. It was, a, it was a law of justice that a worker needed to be paid at the end of the day. They couldn't say to them, we'll get you tomorrow. You know, we, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't just. You had to pay the worker at the end of the day so that he could go back to the market and buy food for his family so that they could have something to eat that night. And if they didn't work that day, it's quite possible that they would, he and his wife and his children wouldn't eat that day. So it was very important for them to get paid at the end of the day. So the middle, sort of the middle stage was this overseer, manager, foreman. And finally, at the top level was the landowner, the person who actually owned the agricultural land. It could have been a grape, uh, a vineyard. It could have been an olive orchard. It could have been some other kind of, of um, crop that was grown in the Middle East. And this person, generally speaking, would not even really go out of his house that much that day, even if he was nearby. He would stay inside where it was cool. He would get reports from the manager. Maybe every now and then he'd go out and talk to the manager and see how things were going, and then he'd retreat back into his house, count his money, and just kind of manage his estate. So those were the three people, and all three of them appear in this parable, so that's why I mentioned them. Now, the people listening then would have sort of had a general sense of all these different roles and what they did. 
But there's a, a few twists in this parable, and I'm sure you'll catch on to them very quickly. There's a really big twist at the end, but there's a big twist at the beginning, too, and I hope you can pay attention and find that one. Matthew 20, 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, so 9 a.m., he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and about the ninth hour, about noon and 3 p.m., and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, 5 p.m., he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came, and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would add your blessing to it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to remind us of how this parable begins. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like this, okay? The kingdom of heaven is like this. Not like the landowner. It is like the landowner, but really it's like this whole scenario, how he goes and does all this stuff that was just read. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of the earth is not like this. This is pretty obvious to us, and it, it wouldn't work very well if it was. Now, if you want to test that out, tomorrow when you go to work, show up at 4 p.m. and ask for a full day's of pay and see what happens. Your boss will think that's awesome and hilarious, right? And then you'll get this little pink piece of paper, and you'll wonder what that is. Uh, we don't run the world this way, do we? I mean, you can imagine if McDonald's, for example ran it this way, that the people who came to McDonald's only had to work one-twelfth as hard to get the same pay. If I pulled up to the drive through I'd order my food, assuming anyone would listen to me. An hour later, something would come out the window. I don't know if it would be a hamburger or who knows what, and it would probably be inedible. You can't run a business this way. If you imagine, what if they ran the military this way? We would be speaking German right now. Nicht wahr? right? They would not work out. If the automobile companies and the airlines ran their businesses like this, I would walk everywhere I went. 
I would not get in a car, okay? I would not get in an airplane. What if the pilots came an hour, just an hour before the flight ended? Well, I don't know how they'd get on the airplane, but you, you get the idea. We can't run the world like this. Even in the New Testament community is warned that people had to work to get food. If somebody in the, in the New Testament community was not going to work and they were going to ride off the coattails of everybody else, there was that boundary there that that person shouldn't eat as a reminder to them that they need to put in their fair share of work. So this is a weird parable. This is a strong countercultural parable. I'd like to find the culture where this is not a countercultural parable. I think on some Pacific island somewhere, there's not this sense of proportional pay for proportional work. I, I would like to visit that place, but not stay very long, you know, because I, if, if I bought any food there, I don't know what I would get, right? I don't know how I'd get there. This is how the kingdom of heaven is organized. It's not necessarily how the kingdom of this earth is organized, but let's try to, we'll try to reconcile those two things at the end. Zach sent me a really good link, uh, a YouTube video where somebody went around and asked people what they thought of this parable, but they disguised it. They, they talked about two boys who were hired to work from eight to five doing yard work. One boy worked all day long and got $75 at the end. The next boy was hired for just the last hour and got $75 at the end. And people, without any reference to the Bible, they were asked what they thought of that scenario. And most of them thought that that was unfair to the boy who had worked all day. And it was a great generosity to the boy who had worked only one hour. One person said, well, he agreed to it, so it's not unfair, which was true. And finally, they cut to one person who said, that... The, the person who paid them seems like a generous person. I'd like to work for him. This is a great story. Let's go to the text and see what we have here. The first thing that people would have noticed when Jesus, Jesus says, oh, there's a landowner and a vineyard, and they would have instantly done a double take in verse 1, is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. All of a sudden, there's a real strange thing going on. Landowners don't go do the hiring. Landowners send the manager to go do the hiring. This landowner left his own house. He left his own estate. He trudged through the mud at 6 a.m. in the morning. Landowners get to sleep past 6 a.m., Right? If you want to get to the marketplace, you have to get up before 6, get dressed, etc. This is a strange land, landowner. You would expect the manager to go. But the landowner goes, and he hires these people. And then what's interesting is he goes back every three hours. He goes back at 9 a.m., finds a few more people, says, I'll pay you what's fair, go on. Comes back at noon, and at 3, the hottest time of the day when a landowner generally would be inside having the Middle Eastern version of a siesta, Seriously, that's, they would just stay inside and be cool because it was really hot out there. At, th at noon and at 3 o'clock, he goes out to the marketplace, to Home Depot, finds a few more people, and sends them off to his vineyard. Finally, at 5 p.m., an hour before quitting time, he goes there again, and he finds a few people who are holding on to hope that they could have some little bit of employment that day and bring home just the tiniest morsel of food for their families an hour later. And he finds these people and he asks them, why are you still here? It's a good clarifying question. Are you here because you've been working somewhere else and now you're done and now you're looking for more work? Are you here because you just woke up at 4 p.m. because you're a partier? 
What are you doing? They've been there all day waiting for someone to hire them. No one has hired them. They're waiting to work. They're ready to work. And he says, go. Go to my vineyard. I'll pay you at the end of the day. So then the foreman makes his only appearance. The manager of the estate makes his only appearance. And he's told by the landowner to start paying people. And this itself is also sort of upside down. This is a reversal. People are supposed to be paid at the end of the day. They're also supposed to be paid in the order at which they arrive. That's only just common decency. If somebody arrived early, you don't make them wait for the people who came later to get paid and they go home last. That's not fair. First in, first out. It's just like computers or any kind of line at the grocery store. But the landowner says specifically, very clear instructions, time to pay everybody and pay them in the reverse order from which they arrived. In other words, pay the ones who came last first and the ones who came first last. And that's what happens. And lo and behold, the ones who had worked for an hour received one denarius, which was one day's wage. They worked an hour, they received 12 hours worth of wages. And we read next, we don't get their reaction. It's interesting. We don't get their reaction at that. You You can imagine their reaction either... Maybe they don't realize, and if we don't say anything, we can just, you know, maybe they just ran. They're like, all right, I'm out of here. Or they, they stood back, and they, maybe they wanted to know what else happened. Maybe they thought, well, if I'm going to get one, are these other people going to get more? If that's the case, I want to know this landowner because he pays a lot more than other landowners. I've got to really attach myself to this person. We don't know. It doesn't say what happens. What we do know is the reaction of the people who came first in the day. They saw how much those received who came last, and they expected more. It's only logical. This is human logic. We're calculators, aren't we? We've been wor- I've been working 12 hours. It's been a hot day. I've worked really hard. I've been sweating. It feels great in one level, but if it's been hard work, I'm also exhausted. I'm looking forward to that one day's wage so I can go home and feed my family and throw myself into bed and rest and get up again tomorrow morning at work. And I see that the people who worked for an hour got a whole day's wage. Maybe I'm going to get more. Not just maybe I'm going to get more, but I think I ought to get more. I better get more because that's just fair. Instead, and this is the twist that we all have seen, they get exactly the same. One day's wage. And uh, it's just like the YouTube video. They thought it was unfair. They began to grumble. They began to complain about this. The Greek word here is kind of onomatopoetic. You know that word? It's when a word sounds like the, the word itself sounds like the thing it's doing. The Greek word here is egigizmo. That's the Greek word for grumbling and complaining. They were agagismoing about this. They were mad. They were discontent. They were complaining. This was not normal math. This was not normal wages. And so they complained against the master. And the master I love. I love what the master said. I'm not being unfair to you. You agreed to this. I'm giving you what we agreed for. Take your money and go. It's all good. But what is it to you if I want to be generous to these other people? It's my money. I can do anything I want with it. 
And once you have money, you can do anything you want with it, I guess is maybe the implication there. Wow. And then he kind of, the, the landowner asks this question. He says, are you envious? And the, the Greek idiom there is actually, do you have an evil eye? Envy and having an evil eye are sort of similar concepts in that language. Do you have an evil eye? Are you looking at this in an evil way? Because I'm generous. Be careful. There's sort of a warning in there. Be, to be careful about how you respond to this parable. And then there's this concluding comment. The last will be first and the first will be last. We see this in the Gospels all the time, especially in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke. This sense that the ones who um, were hired first were paid last. The ones who were hired last were paid first. And they, they seem to get, the, the ones that were hired last seem to get a higher rate of pay, even though they all got the same amount of pay. Let's think about some interpretations of this parable. I know when I was younger, and somebody told me about this parable, I hadn't really read it for myself. I was a teenager. I thought, that can't be in the Bible. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like the God I know. The God I know is pretty just. He kind of gives you just the right reward for just the right amount of work. This was my mindset back then. Is that really? So when I actually found it in the Bible, I thought, did I read that wrong? No, this parable's in the Bible. It's a real reversal. It's about the kingdom of heaven. It's not about the kingdom of this earth. It's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, like I said, they don't run the airlines this way. Thank God. Okay. But they run heaven like this, which is great news. One possible interpretation of this is that, is that um, this was a parable about the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews had been part of God's family for forever since 6 a.m., and here in the last hour, the Gentiles are coming into the community of God and the people who had been there longer are beginning to egegizmo. They're beginning to grumble because all these latecomers are, are just getting it now, but we've had this heritage of it all these years. That's one possible way of looking at it. Another possible way of looking at it is the people who had been there all along are like the Pharisees. They've been keeping the law since their youth. They've been holy and righteous to the best of their ability. And the ones who came at the last hour are like sinners and tax collectors and others who start attaching themselves to Jesus and are welcomed into the kingdom and they're grumbling about this. In fact, this word for grumble is the same word that's used in Luke to describe how the Pharisees reacted to Jesus when he had dinner with, Pharisee, uh, with uh, tax collectors and prostitutes. It was the same word. They grumbled that Jesus was mixing with these people. There's a side note here, which I think is really interesting. This parable only occurs in the Gospel of Matthew. Do you remember Matthew's former profession before he was an apostle? He was a tax collector. Jesus came up to him and said, follow me, and he got up and he left his tax collecting table and he followed Jesus. If there was ever a parable about Matthew... It's this one. He's the latecomer. He's the one that came at 5 p.m. and got the reward. I can imagine on the original manuscript of this document, there are tear marks at this passage as Matthew thinks about himself receiving the richest reward at the last hour. Now we have to think about how 
this works for us. This is a parable about reversal. It's a parable about the kingdom. But mostly this is a parable about what we could call reframing. Jesus is reframing our set of expectations about God. God is the landowner, and the first way he reframes our expectation about God is that we would never expect God to leave heaven and come to the marketplace and seek for people who are desperate for work, desperate for some kind of hope. That's what's so countercultural in the first part of this. We have God the Father living in heaven, the one who created the earth, but when that person leaves the estate, the land, and goes to the market, that's really about Jesus coming into this world and coming to the place where people who are in need are waiting for hope. And he comes and he finds them and he brings them back to the Father's house. So there's a reframing of our view of God there about who he is and his nature, but there's also a reframing of his sense of justice and reward. We think justice means that it's proportional. But in this case, it's just fair. He said, I'll give you something. He said, I'll give you a day's wage to the ones who came first, to the ones who came later. He said, I'll give you what's fair. It's kind of cryptic. He was sort of holding it back for the great reveal at the end. At the end, they got far more than they expected. So Matthew here, Jesus here, is reframing the view of God as being both just but incredibly generous and merciful and kind at the same time, which is not a view that people had of God at that time. And what's great about this is that it begins to reframe the listeners too. When we reframe our view of God, it begins to reframe us. And we are, if we're honest with ourselves, and and as I was when I was a teenager, for sure, I could easily egg a gizmo my way through this parable. I could grumble about this and think, well, the people who are making huge mistakes, they don't deserve this. Um, The people who are coming to this late, I don't know if they're going to have as great a place in heaven as the rest of us. Um, There was a man who came to the church that I pastored in Iowa, and he didn't come in the door. He sort of stood at the steps. It was at a wedding. He said, Pastor, I... I really don't dare to go inside the doors of the church because I think I'd get struck by lightning. He was serious. And from what I knew about him, I could see why he thought that, but I understood that 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 would not really happen. But he had a reputation, even in the small farming community, of being just a a real outlaw. Um, He's one that would come an hour before quitting time and receive the same as somebody who had been raised in the church, born in the church, gone through catechism and confirmation, Sunday school all the years, served on all the church board, played the organ, you name it, been a deacon and all the rest. And that God would put those two people on the same level and give them the same reward. The reframing in us will start when we stop thinking that that's a rotten deal. And we start thinking that that's an awesome deal, that it's a good thing, that our God is like that. This story started reframing me when I was a teenager, and it's been reframing me ever since.
I used to get egegizmo about this story. And now I'm praising. If you look up in the thesaurus, the opposite of complain is to rejoice. We can rejoice in this story. And we can pray that we continue to be reframed by this message about the kingdom. What's really remarkable is that we don't know how this story ends. Jesus doesn't finish it. We don't know, we know how the people respond, but we don't know what happens to them after the master speaks to them. He says, take your money and go. Can I not do what I want with what belongs to me? And we don't know what happens next. Do some of them take their money and throw it back down on the table and say, I don't want anything to do with this outfit because I don't like the rules that it plays by. Or maybe some of them take their money, but they grumble under their breath all the way home and say, I'm never going to work for him again because that wasn't fair. Or are there some who take that and they rejoice and say, I worked all day and that's okay. That guy worked an hour and he got what I got. I'm glad he got it. And I'm glad he's so generous. I'd like to work for that guy again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your kindness and your justice that mix together in such a beautiful way. Please reframe us all the time. In Jesus' name, amen.